17 hours. 17 hours is all they need. 17 hours of video footage of you or me or someone else is all it takes to make a video of you saying anything. In a few years, researchers believe it will only take one hour of footage to do this, to create a realistic video of anybody saying anything. To show the capabilities of this new technology, researchers from the University of Washington recently put together a video of President Obama giving a speech in the White House, a speech he actually never gave. If you haven't watched the fabricated video, Google it. It's disturbing how accurate and convincing it is. Now, if you think that's disturbing, wait, there's more. A few months ago, a Canadian startup named Liarbird unveiled its first product, a set of algorithms the company claims can clone anyone's voice by listening to just a single minute of sample audio. 60 seconds, and people can have you say anything. Now, the implications of this technology are staggering, especially in a world more and more inundated by words, both video and audio. Now, I know most of us look at the Bible as an out-of-date document that struggles to be relevant in modern times, but That can't be said, I think, about today's reading. That's because today's passage from James, especially, speaks directly into our hyper-partisan, Facebook-posting, Twitter-roasting, truth-avoiding, Snapchat-infused world, where viral videos and posts and tweets make their way around the world in minutes, regardless if they're true or not. Now, the author of James is disputed by scholars. We're not sure who wrote the book, but no one disputes how aware James was of the tendency human beings have, a tendency that was real then and is real today. And that is simply, we love to speak. We love to talk. Even if you're introverted, you love the sound of your own voice. We love our words. So much so, in fact, that we often forget to put those words into action, settling instead for righteous anger and pious accusation, which is really a problem, because as James reminds us in the next chapter, faith without works is dead. In a lecture I attended this summer given by journalist and Black Lives Matter advocate Sean King, after making a rather compelling case for increased civic engagement by all people, especially people of privilege like us, Sean King shared a line that has stuck with me all summer long. He said, and I quote, we are not going to Facebook ourselves out of this. We are not going to Facebook ourselves out of the trouble we're in. He went on, it will only be through concrete actions and real advocacy and true solidarity, that things will ever change. Throughout this letter, James insists that faith that is not active and alive is really not faith at all. 
Words spoken, professed, heard, and even believed without actions, he makes the case, and I would agree, are fairly empty and practically worthless. But we love our words. In fact, did you know the average American consumes at least, at least 34 gigabytes of content every day on top of 100,000 words in one day? For a little perspective, War and Peace is about 460,000 words long. Now, this doesn't mean we read 100,000 words in a day. That'd be wonderful, but I'm guessing you don't have time for that. It just means that 100,000 words cross our ears and our eyes in a single 24-hour period through a variety of ways, variety of mediums, TV, radio, the web, text messaging, and even video games. More than ever, as a people, we are tempted, we are invited, we are encouraged to enter into the cacophony of words that overwhelms us and others every single day which is why I believe James' teachings are so important for us to consider. After reminding us that, quote, all good things come from God, all good gifts come from God above, James is incredibly direct when he says this. You must understand this, my beloved, he writes. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I mean, imagine that for just a moment. Imagine a world where there was less talking and more listening. Imagine a world where people didn't let anger and hatred and fear take root. But there's more. After we stop talking and open our hearts and minds and refuse to let anger take root, James insists we must then Welcome with meekness, with openness, the implanted word that has the power to save our souls. But be doers of the word, he argues, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Be doers of the word. Instead of speaking the word or sharing the word or posting the word or memorizing the word or meditating on the word, we are called to do the word to let the word of God that is in us, that has been given to us, take root and bear fruit. It is word enough. Now, as tragic as the events of the past week have been around the world and around the nation, we've all heard or seen or read stories of people being doers of the word, of people putting their faith into action. That's one of the gifts of social media. We can see good things as well as bad One story you may have come across is how Al Letson, an African-American reporter, put himself between a white nationalist and the Antifa protesters who began to beat him up. When asked why he would protect someone who wants to deny his humanity based on his race, Letson simply said, it doesn't matter to me if he doesn't see my humanity, what matters is that I see his. Then there was a story of Jim McInvale, or Mattress Mac, as he's called in my hometown of Houston, where I spent 22 years of my life. He is wildly successful, a marketing genius. He's got stores everywhere, billboards everywhere. You can't drive the streets without hearing or seeing Jim McInvale or Mattress Mac. This past week, you may have heard he opened up his stores as temporary shelters, letting people sleep on futons and beds. 
and couches alike. Perhaps you also heard the story this past week of the woman who just last week, a day before the storm hit, moved to Houston to start her life, to start a new life. That's because 12 years ago she lost everything to Hurricane Katrina, and then she moved to Houston. But instead of feeling bitter about her really bad timing, she said this while she was helping I couldn't allow other people to go through what I went through. See, we didn't have no help. And now if I could be a help to somebody, that's what I'm going to do. Preach it. Then there's a story of J.J. Watt, the Houston Texans football player who's larger than life, who's helped to raise $15 million in one week for hurricane relief. This is not taking into account the thousands of unsold stories around the world in Houston, across the globe, of people who volunteer and donate and risk and in some cases actually give their lives in service of other people. Ironically, sorry, I have to go here. Ironically, one of the most famous preachers in the world also lives in Houston, Texas. Joel Olstein. His church is now... His church was the Q once in Houston. It was called the Summit. It's where the Houston Rockets played. He bought it for $7.5 million and turned it into an amazing worship space. He is a man who makes a really good living doing one thing, preaching the Word of God. And he's really good at it. And yet his response to the rising floodwaters in Houston offers a real-time illustration of how words without actions ring empty, especially in times of great need. As stories of simple heroism and faith flooded the local news, Reverend Osteen tweeted out his church's support, offering prayers for the people, while keeping the doors of his 600,000-square-foot megachurch closed. It wasn't until pressure mounted that he opened the doors and let people in. Actions speak louder than words. Anybody with a child has said this at some point in their life. Actions speak louder than words. Stop talking and clear the table. Stop talking and make your bed. Stop talking and say, I'm sorry. Actions speak louder than words. We know this. And yet we forget it so easily. And James makes a case. He makes an argument for why we forget it. In his mind, we forget it because we forget who we are. To help us remember who we are, James, in today's passage, invites us to stand in front of a mirror. Now, normally, standing in front of a mirror is an exercise in vanity or self-judgment. But that's not what he's getting at here. James wants us to take a moment to look in the mirror so we can think about ourselves in light, in response to the great gift we have received from God, this word that has been implanted into us. A word that reminds us who we are. I mean, do you see who you are? Do you remember who you are? If you forget, let me remind you. You are blessed by God. You're a child by God. Child of God, excuse me. You are loved by God. God's grace is for you. You are claimed by God. You belong to God. You have everything you need to be doers of the word. You know, I doubt we'll ever completely move on from fake news or all the talking heads on TV or social media. 
or technology's ability to confuse and confound us. I think it might only get worse, actually. But the good news is no matter how many words they throw at us, nothing can ever replace the real thing. Nothing will ever replace faith put into action. A hand being extended, help being offered, a hug being given, nothing. No AI, artificial intelligence, can duplicate that. This is part of the reason I'm so passionate and hopeful about our church engaging in what we like to call Serve Sunday. We're not the only church doing this. Churches around the country are starting to figure this out. But I must be honest, if I were Baptists and could make decisions that you all had to follow, (laughs) in my world, I'd go out once a month. I'd take one Sunday a month, gather here, say a word of prayer, maybe sing a hymn or two, and then leave and go out into our community and serve and learn and listen. With all those words out there, maybe it's time we did a little less preaching, a little less talking, a lot less arguing, a little less posting, and a lot more time listening and learning and serving and loving. I mean, that sermon that sermon would have legs. So in that spirit, I would like for us to bring together our collective wisdom, and you are a smart group of people. I'm going to affirm you before I ask you to do something you probably don't want to do. You are awesome. (laughs) You have great wisdom and knowledge to share. I want us to gather in groups of four to six people. There's an insert in your bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can tear out that sacred scribbles page. But I want you to take a minute or two, well, four or five actually, to get in groups of four to six people and brainstorm some ways, some practical ways, some concrete ways that we can be doers of God's Word in the world, ways we can be doers of the Word. Then when you're done, you'll hear the hymns start to play. Somebody from your group can come up. We're going to move this table down front. Place your answers on the table here. We're going to share some as part of our caring for our community, part of communion. Then I'm going to make a list this week, or somebody will, and we're going to send it out to the congregation as a list of ideas, ways this week they can be doers of God's word in the world we live in. So four to six minutes, four to six people, may God bless you in your doing.